Welcome to Beyond the Field, a property and finance series powered by Money Empire. The content you're about to hear is designed to educate and inspire you to tick off your property and finance goals. And when we say beyond the field, we mean your field, whatever that may be. Money Empire is an experienced financial advisory firm with over 10 years experience. We deal in this world day in, day out and want to give you, the loyal listener, exclusive access to behind the scenes of the property and finance industry. We've helped thousands of clients with their financial journeys, everything from first home buyers right through to managing clients with extensive property portfolios from New Zealand and abroad. Each week, BTF includes special guest episodes. We chat with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, sports stars, and the stories of everyday people. Now it is your turn to take back control of your future. So kick back and absorb. My name's Kane Wallstrom. I'm Isana Siwa, and this episode is specifically targeted at offshore players, whether that's Japan, whether that's being based in Europe, just anywhere outside New Zealand. This is uh, specifically targeted at you. Okay, so offshore players. Why do rugby boys end up offshore in the first place? Look, once again, no, not one size fits all, you know, money, 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 money. Like some guys, um, it's too good to turn down. And, you know, I don't think anyone will ever criticise some of the, uh, criticise you for making that decision to move offshore. Um, some guys, it's about sort of a forced decision. There might not be another contract for you in New Zealand. Um, you know, money and the opportunity to go offshore is pretty inviting. And, you know, some of the contracts we're seeing right now are just... Um, astronomical and are going through the roof but not every player is on that Um, you know the cost of living overseas is pretty damn expensive I don't think a lot of guys really grasp that until they're in the new in their new country Um, everywhere is different whether that's Ireland Japan the UK um, France the cost of living can get really high especially if you've got you know one kids two kids three kids more um, but once again it's sort of a learning experience um, I think things to take into consideration for guys that end up offshore is understanding the cost to relocate um, you might be lucky enough to have a relocation allowance and and flights and accommodation paid for but understanding what that looks like on the flip side to it which we talked about in episode two in in your transition is understanding the cost to actually relocate back to new zealand which can get damn expensive too um you know why do we end up offshore some you know some guys just really want to travel and get that bug and and move on and that's awesome in itself but one thing i will stress is not everyone's experience offshore is always positive some guys go and absolutely love it and embed themselves in um in a new lifestyle and a new culture and i think that's a whole part of why you move offshore but not everyone's experience depending on the club depending on the location is always positive so um Yes, we hear all the stories about you know going offshore, earning big coin, making the most of it. It's not always the reality, unfortunately, for all. Okay, so if we generalise a scenario here um, for the listeners, whereby the individual has gone offshore because the money is a bit more lucrative, the terms may be better, uh, and a bit of lifestyle and travelling. They sort of middle their career, 
they know they might have five years left or whatever um, to play and to earn that sort of coin. They want to buy a house back here or have one house back here. What are some of the things that they should be doing um, offshore while earning? Look, it's a pretty simple strategy, but saving again is key. Um, And if you want to make moves and plan for the end of your career, whenever that may be, doing it sooner rather than later. Um, It's so easy to waste, you know, the first two years of being offshore and just traveling around and and experiencing the world, which is important and I encourage guys to do, but also having one eye at the back end of their career to say, holy shit, if I actually want to buy property in New Zealand and continue to build my property portfolio or at least buy another, buy a home in New Zealand, all I'd say is do it sooner rather than later. And when I mean sooner, I mean at the start of your contract. It's far more appealing from the bank size when you're doing something at the start of your contract rather than when you come to me and say, oh, I've got two months remaining. Yeah, you've seen that too with uh, individuals that have approached you, haven't you, where it becomes very hard because the next phase of their career or, or income earning capacity is unknown. Oh, absolutely. And some guys come to me when they've got two months and they go, oh, yeah, I really want to get a mortgage. Well, reality is you might be earning really good income and you might have good savings in the bank but from a bank size in New Zealand you've got to have steady stream of income and you've got to have a lot of a term remaining to actually get that so all I'd say is be proactive and do this shit at the start of your contract if possible um, or at least with a year to go in your contract. Lenders are unfortunately profiling people now um, and customers and looking at age and stage of life and, and are really honing down on professional sport and making it harder for individuals to obtain credit to build asset bases so probably what you're touching on there is no matter what stage you're at get in touch early to understand the plan moving forward and how you may be able to do things um i suppose the next thing is is that you're probably seeing a lot of people just saving money offshore when they have a property back here where the best thing they possibly can be doing is paying down debt heavily so they're not blowing that coin that sits in their bank account Absolutely, absolutely. You know, savings in the bank is um, it's not building you anything going forward and there's specific structure and strategy around having your mortgage set up correctly um, to pay down your mortgage and pay it down fast. Um, I was definitely from the era where it was, you know, buy a house, pay it off. And if you've done that, then that's awesome. And for some people, that's a really awesome achievement. Um, there's definitely people out there that can do far more than that if they've got the right structure and the right setup in their mortgage. And I didn't know any of this when I went overseas the first time. Um, I wish, you know, hindsight's a great thing. I wish I knew all this to get my mortgage structure set up in a far better uh, way to one, safeguard me for retirement, but also to, you know, pay down debt, leverage if I wanted to go again. So these are all things you can discuss um, around getting the maximizing your loan structure. Let's just talk about a bit more detail um, for offshore income and what the lender will look at. So first and foremost, if you're trying to obtain credits or a mortgage, uh, offshore income, they're gonna scale this income, aren't they? Yep, so whatever your contract is overseas, they're gonna convert that into New Zealand dollars and then they're gonna scale it by depending on the bank, 70% or 80%, one bank in particular shaves 40% off your income and then they're going to use that for servicing here in New Zealand. So 
this can massively affect guys. Mm. Um, they think they're earning good coin, but when they actually strip it back from a lender's eyes in New Zealand, it's not so big. So, you know, as we discussed in episode three, if you can have the right structure and mortgage structure and be at the right banks before leaving New Zealand, this helps. But then also, if you're offshore, the other banks are far more favourable for offshore income earners um, and asking the question about that is key. Got to remember too, all your expenses in the country that you're in are converted to New Zealand dollars um, and then having to be placed with the lender um, as their outgoings. And we know that offshore it's a lot more expensive to live than in New Zealand. Yep, absolutely. You know, they're going to take in, whether you're renting overseas, whether, you know, you jumped in and decided to purchase overseas, these are all the things you have to disclose to the bank back in New Zealand. Um, whether you've got finance overseas, car finance overseas on cars, uh, benefit in kind, some guys out there will know all about this with the cars and their club. Understanding all those expenses again while you're living offshore, once again, affects everything back here in New Zealand. So having good strategy around that is key. So loan to value ratios, what happens there? Yep, if you're earning offshore, it's it's a 70% LVR. So that means if you've got a million dollar um, property, um, that you can only hold 700k against that, not the 800 that normally is if you reside in New Zealand. Yep, absolutely. So if you want to buy a million dollar property um, back here in New Zealand, you're going to have to have a deposit of 300,000 New Zealand dollars, which is a significant amount. Okay. And moving on from that then, if you've found or you're looking to buy a property in New Zealand, what are some of the things that you really need to consider um, or get an understanding on when purchasing of that? And what I mean by that is, Firstly, let's look at the real basic thing, opening up a bank account or a mortgage account. Yep, this is um, one of the hardest things and one of the biggest obstacles for guys is actually having your accounts opened while being offshore and not every bank will do it. Um, So simplifying that, getting your mortgage at the right bank while you're living offshore um, is maybe as simple as actually being able to open bank accounts. And I still have, you know, constant battles around this and helping guys um you know it's not as simple as sending me your id sending me your bank statements a lot of these things depending on your country need to be certified which Mm. means you're going to have to contact a local solicitor a local justice of the peace a local notary public um person to actually get all those stamped and verified and this unfortunately is only getting tougher going forward. So, you know, often there's someone in the club um, that has the rights to do this, but they will need to be stamped in person. They will need to be printed, signed, and then sent back to me. So there's some real sort of steps to take. And then what that looks like at the bank back in New Zealand is how you're going to be able to open accounts or not. This is called AML or anti-money laundering, which is becoming more and more prevalent uh, in New Zealand. If we've, I'm just moving forward a little bit, and if we've, uh, if the client has seen a property um, that they like, who are some of the people that they should be contacting, i.e., professionals? Yep. So, you know, a couple of key. Uh, you've got to have a really good solicitor back here in New Zealand. Um, and why is that, Lisa? Just in um, high level detail. Because you've got to have someone here in New Zealand that can do all the property commencing for the property you're keen on um, whether that's looking at the limb and title on the property that you're keen on you know down the line if you're going to purchase house it's around signing loan docs um, New and Zealand loan docs also the sale and purchase right so looking at the sale and purchase agreement which is a um, 
uh, an agreement that you, um, I suppose, involved in when buying something. It can be there's a whole different raft of issues around that, looking at the further terms of sale, making sure that you're not getting caught out on anything that could legally screw you long term. Yeah, absolutely. And this is your peace of mind being back here in New Zealand. You're a long way um, when you're offshore, you're a long way from home. You want people back here that'll give you the confidence that you're actually purchasing a property unseen. So I wouldn't leave it up to the real estate agents. You've got to have people that you trust in the right positions, whether that's an accountant, a solicitor to do all the basic things back here um, and to look after number one because it is a big investment at the end of the day. You've got to have someone that you trust um, from a broker's point of view to help source the mortgage. And then when it comes to the specific details of the property, you know, you really want to get a building inspector in, um, one that'll do a thorough building inspection on the whole house. Um, and this, once again, gives you this peace of mind that you uh, can purchase from overseas. Well, like you just mentioned, if you're overseas and you're buying, looking to purchase something um, that you haven't cited, you do need these professionals to work on and tick off these boxes to make sure, especially on the building side, that you're not buying a lemon that's leaky or has foundation issues or there could be a lot of maintenance um, things that need to happen in the next two, three years on this property. Yeah, absolutely. These are all key things that just help you, help give you confidence really. Um, you know, a building inspection is detailed and it might cost you 500 bucks, 600 bucks, but it's worth it because, you know, this is what you're purchasing at the end of the day. Um, and, and lastly, probably a lot of these offshore contracts, um, have a few parts to them so you've obviously got the the rugby contract you've got image rights you've got all these type of things you see it all and you can include all these for debt servicing yeah for sure for sure depending on the contract and the client and where you are um, we'll use as much as need be Um, sometimes you know there's a lot of complications and differences in image right contracts, but it's all servicing at the end of the day back here in New Zealand. And you have seen it from the the France-based players around the chômage and, um, you know, some, I suppose, tangled uh, concepts around that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, to all the players based in um, France, you know, a lot of you will maximise your income while or dull down how much you're getting paid so you can maximise your chômage at the back end of your career. Um, Explaining this to the bank and actually talking to the bank here in New Zealand around how that works and why that works is the difference between you getting a mortgage at the end of the day or not. So you've been a a New Zealand based player that has been based offshore and you were based offshore for a good part of a decade, is that correct? Yep. So you know the ins and outs, you know the reality of um, how easy and hard it can be when you're trying to do stuff back in New Zealand. The key things are probably going back to is understanding your goals and objectives, Secondly is do you want to set yourself up post-career um, with an asset base or a, some type of income stream? Thirdly is knowing what the next phase of life looks like for you um, and then pulling trigger and doing all this while you have an income. Absolutely, that's the key at the end of the day is ask questions early, reach out for help early, uh, get in touch. You know, If someone back here can help uh, fast track and smooth out all these bumps for you. It gives you the confidence that yes, you are overseas. Your wife's overseas. Your you know kids are overseas. It's a big investment back here, but we'll simplify it all for you and keep it you know streamlined so you actually understand the process along the way. I think in rounding this out over these four episodes, Isha, you were really keen to get your. Um, 
education, detail, and I suppose what you've been through across to all these uh, players, um, New Zealand-based, offshore, whatever it may be, because you've been there, done that, and with your experience, you've had these issues um, in the past, but... um, from this, if there are any listeners out there that have any questions on any of these topics and actually want them covered, um, private message Issa. Um, he's more than happy to obviously not disclose names, but we can do bonus episodes on these exact questions, which we're more than happy to do. We know that it's a big wild world out there and there's a lot of things that can get lost, especially in translation. And also too, um, time passes by really quickly and you don't do anything and then all of a sudden you're at the back end of your career and you're wondering what happened. Absolutely. Just reach out and get in touch. You know, I spent five years in New Zealand, um, near on 10 years offshore in uh, Ireland. I know the obstacles you face along the way, but I also know how to get across those now and get over those and help set you up for life post-rugby. Transition is a big and scary thing, but if you can be sorted from a finance point of view leading into that, uh, transition will be of ease when it comes time. Lastly, would you say, Issa, stress as part of a professional athlete, um, a big part of that is finance? Oh, absolutely. Seventy, I reckon 70, 70 to 80% of, um, uh, of playing, of retirement, is all comes down to finances. So just think to yourself, if you can sort that shit out and sort it out early, it'll give you the luxury to cruise into retirement, cruise into transition, and, you know, help your family, yourselves, um, because that's what's most important at the end of the day. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on this episode and hundreds more, you can visit us at Beyond the Field Podcast on all social platforms. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Now it's your turn to take control and build your empire beyond your field.